0: Good morning. I, uh, I have the opportunity to be here today to share with you. My name is Tim St. Louis. I'm the director at Rock Lake Christian Assembly. You, uh, you see me hobbling around in this boot here. Uh, it's because I love kids. That's why I'm in this boot. It's because I love kids. No, this uh, was about a month ago now. I was playing with the youth group at the St. Louis Church of Christ. And, uh, and Matt Brooks, the youth minister, says, hey, we're going to play dodgeball today. And I can't, I can't help. I need to confess, I'm a little competitive. And in my mind, I said to myself, I'm going to wreck some kids. <laughs> and so as I lined up against the wall, waiting to grab one of those balls and destroy a child, uh, you know, I, I heard the word go, I took one step, and God's finger just reached down, and it touched my calf, and he said, Humble yourself! <laughs> and that was about it. <laughs> so I tore my calf, uh, yeah, playing dodgeball with the youth group or attempting to play dodgeball with the youth group. I really only got one step into the game and, and then was destroyed with dodgeballs myself. So, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I think being able to be around kids, to work with kids, it's a true joy. You know, when we think about, um, when we think about the church, the legacy of the church, the future of, of God's kingdom, right, it's kids. And, uh, and I think it's important to teach them about the ways that they should live. And I think one of the most important things that we can teach kids is how to control their tongue. How to control the words that are coming out of your mouth. If, uh, <laughs> if you're looking for a relevant topic, there's none more relevant. Now We're, we're going to be reading from James chapter 3 today and James recognizes the potent, potential damage and havoc that the tongue can cause. Maybe you've experienced the carnage firsthand. Maybe something you've said, it's it's just rolled off your lips in a moment of anger or frustration, and it's almost like you reach out to grab the words and try and pull them back. But you can't. The damage is already done. Perhaps you, yourself, have been put on blast on social media. Maybe you've hurt a significant other. Maybe you said something to a teacher, or boss, or friend, or child. And the response that it invoked just wasn't what you'd hoped. You know, I, I think uh, I think it's something we can all relate to. It's something we can all relate to. When James talks about when James talks about taming the tongue, in chapter three, he wants to be mindful of hasty responses. You know, it's it's easy. We have so many ways that we can we can get our words out there these days. It's not just talking with friends or uh, picking up the phone or uh, locker room humor around the lunch room or, uh, or at the bar. Social media is also a way that our words get out there. Maybe the words that you're using are words of complaint Or maybe it's an inappropriate joke here or there. Maybe it's cursing that you struggle with. Or anger or hate that just seems to to be there in the back of your mind. It rolls off your tongue so easily. Perhaps even Perhaps even grumbling and complaining. James knows what all our conversation needs to be ripe with, so if you'll turn with me there, that's where I want to start. James, chapter three, verses one through twelve, it says, uh, starting out in verse one, it says, "Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because that you know." that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn that whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large, and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, he says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue, it is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. If you're like me, this this passage, it just conjures a certain amount of self-reflection about the things that I say, the words that I use when I talk to, talk to my friends, when I talk to my family, when I discipline my children. You know, James, is, James has already mentioned this topic a couple times in this very book. Back in chapter 1, verse 26, he says, "...those who consider themselves religious..." and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves and their religion its worthless. Those who do not keep a tight rein on their tongue and deceive themselves, their religion is worthless. Why would he say that? Why why would he say that their religion is worthless? It's because it's lacking in action. Specifically, the self-control necessary with our words. James wants us to be aware of three things when we, we look at this passage. The first thing is that we, we shouldn't rush into being a teacher of the word. We shouldn't rush into being a teacher of the word. It's serious business. Why? Because even a small mistake with the word can have serious consequence. The stakes are higher. Salvation hangs in the balance and what you say has an effect on people now that's not to discourage you from being a teacher but that's to encourage you to be diligent in your study if you accept that mantle as teacher of the word commit yourself to understanding it to the diligent study and preparation that it takes So that you can clearly educate those people that you're responsible for. Because salvation is at stake. And James says that we'll be judged more strictly. Be careful, he says, the tongue is a fire. Small but able to control the whole body. Just like his examples. And I love his examples. They're vivid and and easy for us to understand when we think of a horse It's easy to see the the bridle, right, and the reins, how a, a horse is steered right or left. How do you get it back on course, right? You just tug on those reins and it brings him back into alignment. Similarly, the tongue, it can steer us off course so quickly. It can steer us off course so quickly, the words that we say can destroy a friendship, Hurt a church. Damage families. But we have to be careful to pull those reins back. Right? When when our our mind is is rushing with with words. We have to use that self control that God gave us. It's entirely capable of causing trouble, chaos, anger, heartache. Uh, I'm sure uh, if you know my wife, she will attest. You know, we've, had, we've had trouble because of things that I've said, right? But it also has the ability to instruct, to encourage, to bring joy, Right? motivate others it has the the power to do great things James says no one man can control it it's why we have to rely on God it can't be tamed but it surely can be harnessed and when like a horse it goes astray we give a tug to the reins and it helps to steer it back in the right direction James also talks about duality, duality. With the same mouth we bless and we curse. Now, I gotta be honest, growing up, I struggled with duality and it, it, uh, it vexes me how I was able to control my words the way I was. And when I was around my, my church, my family, even my, my friends were were so devoutly Christian. You know, I, I just I was able to control my tongue. I didn't swear. I I, I, I quoted scripture and and uh, and used so many of those things right that I was learning in church and from my family. But when I was at school, when I sat around the lunch table, it seemed like those words that evil just flowed from my lips so easily. You know, there was a duality that was alive in me. I was one person in one part of my life and another, or at least I felt, I was one person in one part of my life and another in others. Now, that's not what God saw. God saw there was one person, right, who was trying to live two lives. And I realized that it just wasn't the person I wanted to be. I didn't want those words to come out of my mouth. I didn't like the jokes that people were making around me. They did bother me. And so eventually, I started to tame the words that were coming out of my mouth. And and control them in all instances. And pray that God would use me around those people that did use that kind of language. To be an example. To speak openly about why I was changing my words. You know, it, it's impossible. It's impossible. It goes against common sense. You can't have both from the same source. Now, ultimately, what goes in is what comes out. And while you'll hope to control it, eventually you're going to slip. And I think there's a solution. There's a solution that we have in Scripture. And it's to train our hearts. It's to train our hearts because it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So if we want to train our mouths, we've got to start somewhere else. We've got to start at the root of the problem. Because the mouth is just a symptom of what's wrong with our heart. And so I've got this demonstration Colden, can you can you help me, dude? I to be honest. This boot Im- impairs me. All right, you're in charge of the water, man. Okay. All right. So, so what we've got here is so I've got these ping pong balls, and maybe you've seen this online. I, he stole it from me. Okay. <laughs> if you've seen this online, he stole it from me. I had it like a year ago. Anyways. So what we put in, right? We put in these things into our hearts, into our mind, into our lives. Maybe it's a movie, maybe it's music, or uh, magazines that we read, or social media, some gossip, right? That uh, that we get around from friends, or or the uh, we hear dirty jokes occasionally. You know, we we let all this come in, and come in, and come into our lives, but then we keep filling ourselves up, and what can we expect to come out? Go ahead and pour that water in there for me, Colton. Fill it up. What comes out when we continue to try and fill ourselves? We try and fill ourselves. What comes out? Keep going, keep going, keep going. We're going to pour more in, and more in, and more in, and hope that what comes love and joy and peace and the fruit of the Spirit, but what keeps coming out is the dirty jokes, right? What comes out is those, the coarse talking or the uh, the gossip, right? We just, we can't help it. It just overflows out of us. Now, now let's reverse it. Imagine those very things that we put in our scripture, our devotion, right? Our prayer, our fellowship, worship, right? If that's what we put in, when we fill our hearts and our lives, what is going to come out of our mouths Godly things, people. Godly things will come out of our mouths because we've started at the root of the problem. We've started with our hearts and training our hearts. I put Michigan football in and it seems like Michigan football comes out. (laughs) Since maybe it's not always the right words that come out with Michigan football but <laughs> Proverbs four twenty three it says above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it what goes into your heart matters so protect it because from your heart flows life or death depending on you by training our hearts and minds we can take control of what comes out of our mouths just showing up on Sundays and listening to a sermon well that isn't enough it isn't enough because the words that I speak here that Josh speaks here that's not enough to fill you you have to do it on your own You have to work at filling yourself every day. Because as things pour out, you need to continue to to fill that cup. And being careful of what to fill it with is important. You know, when we think about... uh, when we think about filling our hearts, I think there's three things that we we need to to try and focus on. And I will tell you, the first thing that we need to do when we're trying to fill our hearts with godly things, it's it's, we just need to be quiet. Sometimes we just need to stop talking. Right? When we have an opinion on everything, when we, we talk before we think, I got to tell you, the words aren't always, the words aren't always what we want to hear, what other people want to hear, what God wants to hear. And I think, man, if we're quiet, maybe we give our chance, ourselves a chance to hear God. You know, I think of, I think of this great story in the Bible uh, about Elijah. I think about him with the uh, with the prophets of Baal. do you remember this story? The prophets of baal when he's he's up on mount i think it's mount horeb and and they've got the altars that they've built up and uh, and he's he's challenging the prophets of Baal you know you you uh call on your God to light the your your altar and then uh you know whatever happens happens and then you give me a chance and I'll do the same and we'll see what happens. And so they've got all these prophets of Baal up there and, and they're, they've got this dry wood on this altar and they're calling out to their God Baal to, to light it a, a fire, a flame. And they're, they're singing and they're dancing and they're cutting themselves. And, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then Elijah... He, uh, he has the guys come and pour water all over his altar. Just keep pouring water. More and more water. Just keep sending them back. More buckets of water. Till it's drenched. And there's a moat around his altar. Full of water. So surely it wouldn't burn. And what happens is, when, when Elijah gets down and prays, you know, God just brings this amazing fire and just destroys it. And, I'm getting a little long-winded with this story, but you know, just to just to demonstrate that God's in in the silence, right? So what happens? Okay. They kill all these prophets of Baal because they realize that they're false gods, but right in this moment when Elijah should be just overwhelmed with with the, the, the greatness of God, he goes into the city and here's Jezebel wants to kill him. Right? And you'd think that <laughs> Elijah, having just witnessed this, would say, you know what? Let her try. Nobody can stand up to my God. But he runs. Instead, he runs. He runs into the desert. For 40 days, he runs into the desert. I don't know. That, that's crazy. That's a, that's a little bit of overkill. He goes up on a mountain, hides in the cleft of a rock, right? After meeting with an angel, he goes up on a mountain, hides in the cleft of a rock, and waits and listens for God to tell him, to assure him, to encourage him, to direct him. And I'm not saying we need to run 40 days into the wilderness to find a moment of silence. Maybe it's just taking a moment in the morning to sit, be still, and listen. Maybe that's not a good time for you because you know you'll fall asleep. But maybe it's, it's in the evening, you know, trying to find a moment of silence so that you can listen to God. Because you know He's going to fill your cup. He's going to fill your cup. We have to listen and be silent. I think um, Psalms 46.10 reinforces that. It says, Be still and know, know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations and I'm exalted in the earth. You know, two things happen when we're silent. We, one, we just simply can't bungle our words. Say something stupid, but Two, we give ourselves the opportunity to hear and be filled by God. The next thing we need to do is we just need to flat out mind what we say. Pay attention to the words that are coming out of our mouths. Proverbs twelve twenty two says, "Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord; and those who act faithfully are His delight." Proverbs twenty five eighteen, like a war club, a sword, or a sharp arrow is one who bears false witness against a neighbor, right? There's many ways that we can use our words to harm. We need to mind what we say. Philippians 2, 14 and 15, it says, do all things without murmuring or arguing. And it, the NIV says grumbling or complaining, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation In which you shine like stars in the world. We shine like stars in the world amidst a crooked and perverse generation. Why? Because we do all things without grumbling and complaining. Can you imagine that? Like, you don't grumble and complain, and Scripture says that that's gonna make you shine like a star. That's how different you're going to be if you don't do those those things. We have to mind what we say. The third is we have an opportunity to do something great with our words. We can build one another up. We can be part of of this. Taking the opportunity to fill each other's cups with great things, with godly things, with encouragement, with friendship, with godly fellowship, with Bible study, right? Proverbs 10.20 says, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the mind of the wicked is of little worth. Proverbs 12.8 says, Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise can can bring healing. Proverbs 16.24, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and heals the body. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome or evil talk come out of your mouth but only what's helpful for building others up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. We must be careful because our words have the power to bring people to the truth or to steal away from it. There are so many mediums to get our message out to a wider audience. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, Google Plus. Just kidding, for those of you who know, nobody uses Google Plus. You know, may we simply speak less. Which is a challenge for me, but may we speak less. May we silence ourselves to hear the Father. May we fill ourselves with godly things so that wholesome talk would flow from us building others up, affirming them in Christ that it would be a benefit to all who would listen. And today if uh if you struggle if you struggle with taming your tongue well, we'd love to have some time at the end of worship to uh to sit and just talk with you about it talk with you about how you can you can steer your ship back in the right direction but maybe your uh, your struggle is something more maybe it's it's the duality of life that you struggle with. Maybe you feel like like James mentioned in, in chapter three, you're you're living a life where in one, one part the words are unwholesome. In another part they're pure and godly and and you want you want to live that godly life. You want to be a spring that flows with fresh water. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this, and, uh, and you want to give your life to God, or at least want to hear more about it. Come forward, and, and we would love to, to talk to you and pray with you about that today. Let's pray. Father God, we, we lift you up. We understand that, that we are tasked with this, this impossibility. Taming our tongue. Lord, but you've given us, you've given us the harness and the bridle You've given us Scripture. You've given us fellowship, prayer, devotion, things that we can pour in to our hearts and to our lives to help keep our our words on track. Help us to honor You, Lord, with the things that we say to use our words to encourage one another, to build each other up. Lord, like Your Word says, that it may be a benefit to all who would hear. Lord, we want to change the words that come out of our mouth, but we understand that it starts with transforming our hearts. And so, God, we ask that you would take our hearts and begin transforming them. Begin transforming them to be more, more and more like yours, to desire those godly things in all that we do. Father God, it's in your name we pray pray these things. Amen.